Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Welcome to another edition of the fifth and last NRL podcast with Brock and Lewis. Jumping straight into some news. Kruznan Inu has set to miss five weeks of NRL action after taking an early guilty plea. Originally, it was said if he fought the spear tackle charge, he was going to get seven weeks if unsuccessful. But the Bulldogs have looked at their options and seen that they have Lafayette and a couple other blokes in backup. So they've done the smart thing and taken the five weeks. I thought it was pretty bad myself. Five weeks is probably about justified. I thought it may have been four or three, to be honest, with the downgrade, but fair enough, it was a pretty bad one. And moving on, Sam Thide, another one who was put up for contact with a referee, which is a big no-no, as well as Luke Bailey, also touching a referee. Luke Bailey misses out with an early guilty plea, and Sam Thide gets a week because of a previous loading from suspension, but he has been named. So the Brisbane Broncos are going to fight the charge, and try and get him cleared for this week. Pritchard and Tolman, how long will they beat the Bulldogs for? Words coming out now, obviously signing T-Rex, Ben Barber and a few others from last year. Reynolds is a priority, as well as the two youngsters for long term, Jackson and Finnegan, that Pritchard and Tolman are two that they're going to have to leave out of the picture, which when you look at it, T-Rex, logical, younger replacement for Pritchard, although consistency is an issue, and they've still got James Graham and Clemmer in the case of Tolman. Where they'll end up will be anyone's guess, but uh, in my books, I'd love to have Aiden Tolman uh, back at the Storm. Obviously, I don't think they'll fit him under the cap, but I bet there's going to be plenty of bidders for Aiden Tolman and also Pritchard, who's still got a couple of good years left in him. Moving on, Bo Scott will be out for three months. He needs a groin operation, so that's a bit of a loss for Newcastle, but they've obviously showed a bit of depth the last couple of weeks. Robbie Rocco playing some good football. In the back row, and Alex McKinnon, as well as the debut of Corbin Sims and Far Logo back from England on the bench. So they look to have that pretty well tightened up, and hopefully Bo Scott gets back healthy, and Newcastle can continue going forward under Wayne Bennett. Josh Dugan has obviously had his social media breakdown, as most people have seen this week. They had a pun up from a Raiders, so that they were better off without him, and Reese Robinson, and also a bit of a sly comment on his mum that I'm not going to say, and Josh had a bit of a outburst and even offered to meet with this person in person if he wanted to exchange words. This has led to the Brisbane Broncos pulling a supposed three-year, $2 million deal off the table. So Josh Dugan just can't seem to get it together at the moment. He obviously had the big fallout at Canberra, which many thought was planned so he could get out, and now he's just blowing a $2 million deal. But it is said that the Dragons are still interested, whether they can get him on the cheap is another story, but as far as Josh is concerned, he's really going to make his mind up whether he wants to come back this year and sort himself out, and uh, he should probably get off social media. 
Thank God the obstruction rule has been amended. So a bit of common sense will be shown from now on. We're not going to see defenders be able to milk uh, the collisions and get off with it lightly. This week, uh, anything like your Cooper Cronk situation a couple of weeks ago where the bloke was three away or your Tom Humble from the weekend where Greg Bird takes a dive, they will now be given a bit of common sense. So hopefully the players in the video replay box will be able to make a bit better of that one and we'll see some tries that definitely should be. Todd Carney, good luck for you uh, Sharkies fans out there. He's only out for two to three weeks with a mild foot sprain. The original crack that he heard and the fear of the Achilles tendon has not come to fruition, so good news for them and a great replacement in Chad Townsend, who I'm sure will get the job done this week. And Kurt Gidley, he can't catch a break, got concussed before half-time on the weekend. They will move on without him this weekend unless he passes a cognitive test, but obviously Tyron Roberts at seven looks a great option. Boyd at one, filling in where Gidley used to play, and they've got Badira. So as far as Kurt Gidley at the moment, him being injured doesn't seem to be too big of an issue for the Knights, which is you know a great thing for them. Uh, Luke Walsh, massive news, has been dropped as the halfback of the Penrith Panthers. Blake Austin comes in. Does this spell the end finally for what many Panther fans have been calling for? And that's the end of a tenure of Luke Walsh, yet to be seen. And last but not least, the unpenalised shoulder charge of Denny Badiris, which occurred in the game against the Raiders, has now led through scans to show that Blake Ferguson has a fractured cheekbone and could miss up to eight weeks. So... Is it about time we brought back a bit of common sense? We've had the Fayosa one last week downgraded to one week. We say no shoulder charge. There's been 100 unpenalised in the first couple of games. We had Gus on Twitter who said the same thing we did. You should bring it back. Punish the ones who get it wrong. If you get it right, well, then good on you. It's a part of the fabric of the game. So let's get into this week's podcast. Time for our Fast Fives this weekend. In case you didn't catch it last week, the Fast Five is a new segment where we give our Highlight of the Week, our Lowlight of the Week, Player of the Week, Dance of the Week, and then also the Facebook question for the week. So starting off first with the Highlight, Brock, what was yours? Uh, The Dogs versus the Rabbitohs game. I thought that was a great uh, all-round performance from both sides, a good spectacle on Good Friday, uh, and it uh, provided good watching. Uh, Most definitely. I'd have to go with Billy Slater. His performance on Friday night with the hat-trick against the Broncos, absolutely outstanding. and No fly kicks this week. No, no fly kicks, but it'd have to be otherwise the Roosters all-around performance and Jabbery Hargraves' power wedgie. Yeah, well, leading into that, uh, my low light of the week was the Eels' performance. Um, they were terrible, and then I don't know what was worse than hearing today that Ricky Stewart isn't, isn't expecting any improvement. He's expecting that to continue for this year. So I would have thought that uh, a team like Parramatta would get progressively better as the season goes on, but it looks like they're, uh, they don't have the same opinion. Well, my low light was pretty much the same. Parramatta's performance last night was absolutely disgusting, but I also had it pretty even with the Cowboys for a side of that quality and that many representative players. I'm just banging my head against the wall every time I watch them play. I think they really need to wake up to themselves. So. Yeah. Moving on to your player of the week. James Maloney, uh, out of that game last night, he's now moving into that status of by the season. I know it's only early, but the effect that he's had on the Roosters, the influence he's having over their attack, their attack looks much more fluent. I still think they've got some deficiencies in defence, even though they obviously didn't concede a point last night. Uh, it was good to see that their discipline Im- improved again, um, but for the Roosters, I just want to, I want to see them play a quality side before I, you know go out and make a statement like a lot of the journos are um, on the back of that result last night. 
Yeah, well, for me, I couldn't split Billy Slater and uh, Aaron Woods. Obviously, Slater's hat-trick on Friday night and a try assist, absolutely outstanding. And Aaron Woods in a team that was just absolutely towed up two weeks in a row, he's been outstanding. He made uh, 38 tackles and 100 and I think it was 70 metres off 17 runs. I definitely think he's in contention for Origin. Yeah, if, they don't, if they're going to pick the Origin team on form, he has to be in there, no doubt about it. What about your dance of the week? My dance, worst player, Ben Roberts. He threw three or four passes last night that Mully grabbed along the ground. His defence is ordinary. He's probably just one of the blokes I'm going to uh, point the finger at out of that result last night. Well, for me, it was Brent Tate. He was absolutely terrible over there in New Zealand. Heaps of drop ball, bad decisions in defence, and a few of the times they had close-ups where he was penalised for, in particular, one of the rakes in a very important stage, which led to a try, which got the Warriors ahead, and he gave a bit of the old F me. What was that like? You know, it was if it was the ref's fault, and it was just him all game. He was absolutely. We terrible. gave away the penalty for the rake that allowed the Warriors, Sean Johnson, to kick the goal to go ahead by eight, mm. and you could hear him blowing up um, through the commentary speakers. Actually, uh, sorry, through the sound effects mics, uh, saying "Hurry up!" Well, Brent, don't give away the penalty in the first Ooh. place, champ. Missed tackles, penalties, and then he was ball. the one that dropped the ball right at the end when the Cowboys uh, were coming home. So, what do you do? Yeah, question of the week. Uh, the question of the week for, from last week's podcast was, who uh, do you think will be the first coach sacked? Steve Price won that with 15, Elliot with 12, Griffin with 2, and Dave Ferner with 1. So obviously on the back of some of the weekend results that we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, you know, you'd think that Price and Elliot have bought, bought themselves some time. Griffin, you know, they performed fairly well against the Storm. I know they were beaten. And Ferner, well... You know, if we were to run this again, I guess Ferner would probably have a lot more votes than uh, than the top two, I guess, or he'd be right up there with those those two in Price and Elliott. Mm. This week's poll: uh, the question will be an agree or disagree. Now, the statement is the NRL should scrap the shoulder charge rule and allow players to do as they please, with dire consequences for those who get the shoulder charge wrong. Yeah, so, well, agree or disagree? We bring this up. Obviously, there's been more over the weekend. People are complaining about Kane Lynette's hit. On Kevin Locke, there was also Danny Badiris's one against Blake Ferguson, which somehow wasn't called a shoulder charge, and everyone seemed to laugh it off. So yeah. it's kind of got to that point. It's been a joke the first few rounds. There's been a hundred of them. Half of them aren't getting pulled up. It's uh, either got to come back completely and just punish the people that hit someone in the head, or it's just got to be scrapped and they've got to get ruthless on it. Yeah, I agree. I We had a little bit of a Twitter action with uh, Gus Gould yesterday, and um, he was sort of the same opinion that, he thinks that you know if you hit someone in the head, dire consequences. Otherwise, play on. Yep, and that's the fast fire for this week. So let's jump into our reviews of the games. Having trouble keeping track of all the play movements and signings in the NRL? Want to know who your team has re-signed, who they gained, and who they've lost for the next season? Well, check out www.zerotackle.com for all the latest news and rumours on the NRL. Zerotackle.com. Well, jumping into a review of the weekend's action, starting off with a Thursday night clash between the Eagles and the Tigers, which was a 26-0 result in favour of the Eagles. And Brock, the Tigers are definitely not showing any sign of that defence they supposedly worked on in the preseason. No, well, they've had a fairly difficult draw as well. I mean, coming up against Manly, that's always going to give your defence a, uh, a fair test out. Uh, I thought it was the worst half of the season, the first half. It was really hard to watch. The weather obviously played its part in that. Manly probably were the, you know, the more ordinary out of the two sides for the first 20 to 25 minutes. 
um, they gave the Tigers all the ball. I don't know whether it was pre-planned from Jeff Tuvey because um, the Tigers just attacked, 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 attacked for the first 20 minutes, come up with nothing. Um, and then mainly from that, that point on, they got that try heading into half-time and then second half they just ran away with it. Um, talking points, I guess, line breaks were 7-2 to two to Manly. I, I think the biggest talking point is, it depends what way you want to look at it. I, I mean, you could talk about the Tigers' defence, uh, but for me, it's the Tigers' attack. Uh, you know, if you're putting points up, you're probably more obliged to defend a, a little bit harder. I just thought after 25 minutes, the Tigers had thrown everything they possibly could have at Manly, and, and they came up with no points. Manly first set down on the Tigers' line, scored a try, so... Um, that and also the fact that Robbie Farrow sat on the bench for 25 minutes in that game and he looked filthy. So um, some strange things happening at the Tigers. I don't know what to make of Farrow being on the bench. Um, they sort of they poured some water over it in the press conference, but I found it really strange. Yeah, well, I looked at that and they said exactly what I was thinking on Friday, which is you can't exactly carry your Sephra on the bench if you're not going to use him, but at the same time, I've said it before, I think only Farron and Smith, uh, the only two hookers you'd have in this comp that play 80 minutes every week that you wouldn't take off the field. Mm. Um, line breaks, 7-2, to two, like you said. Big difference there and punch and attack. And this week they finally went back down Jamie Lyons' edge and the Wolfman benefited with a hat-trick. So, like yeah. I said, I think Matt I was really good again and Matt I has been good. But with both those centres, I like the fact they shared the pill on both sides and it showed on the scoreboard and... Once it rained, to be honest, I, I never thought the Tigers had a chance. They're not really a dirty side. Manly seemed to come in their own as soon as it got uh, wet weather and needed to get down and dirty. Yeah, and more Manly now, they head into a blockbuster on Friday night against the Doggies. That'll be a great game. Uh, and the Tigers, well, that doesn't get any easier. They're going down to Melbourne on Monday night. And judging by that performance, they've got a lot of work to do this week. Yeah, and you'd think Melbourne would be pretty fired up after letting uh, 26 points in. They've got a, a long turnaround, so... Uh, be uh, interested to see what happens there. And then the Dogs and the Eagles, I'm looking forward to that one. I think the, the Dogs will slowly continue building, but just wanted to give a quick wrap on the, the Tigers side of things. Like I said before, Aaron Woods, he has to be in origin contention. And uh, Robbie Farrell, once he come back on, he was outstanding. But other than that, one thing I think is really starting to bother me, and I said it to you at the start of the year, I think they're too light on the forward pack. They got absolutely nothing out of their bench on the weekend. Mm. And I think that's one thing in the NRL you need people coming off the bench that can either maintain what you're trying to do with your starting players or they need to take it to a different level and they just don't have that at the moment. Yeah, I just think their attack, they need to do a lot of work on their attack, especially down on the opposition line. They, I don't think they have a problem getting up and down the field, but in the uh, opposition 20, they, they really struggle to put points on and it's it's been for a couple of weeks now, they struggle to put points on against Parramatta. Uh, they struggled at the beginning of the game to put points on against Penrith, so... Um, and obviously they got spanked round one uh, by the night. So, um, yeah, a little bit of work to do there for the Tigers and Mick Potter. Yeah, well, Foran and Cherry Evans running the roost again with Matt Iron line, making things look pretty easy. And just a quick wrap to Brent Lawrence in the front row. 35 tackles, over 100 metres again. What a signing he's been, you know. He's a bit of a bit of a hidden gem from the Gold Coast. I think he's one that's gone unnoticed this year. But Until he uh, ran through and didn't draw the fullback. Oh, well, he didn't draw the fullback, but I think if you look at his numbers for the first four weeks, for a bloke that was oh, a, definitely. A, I agree with a Q-cut player and 28 years old, he's really making the most of his opportunity. In but Brent, something to work on this week. 
yeah. the past in the game champ. Put it in two hands, champion. <laughs> We're moving on. South versus the Dogs, obviously semi-final like football, absolutely outstanding game. But South got away with that one, seventeen to twelve. What were your thoughts on that one? Uh, I just think the Dogs are still readjusting. Obviously, it was Ben Barber's first game back. South that was that was more like them. That was a more uh, defensively dominated performance from them. They uh, really grinded uh, the Dogs into the ground in that game. Even after conceding the first try, they jumped back on the horse and got through their sets, uh, kicked well, and when they uh, when they had opportunities to post points, they did. I thought Adam Reynolds was great. Uh, his kicking game, the ability to get re- repeat sets and just push that side around the park, it's um, really brought out you know the the more positive side in John Sutton's game. He's now a little bit. Uh, uh, I guess freer to do as he pleases. He, he's more flamboyant, and he's really opening up the left-hand side of the South's attack. Reynolds is running, uh, you know, running rings around the opposition with his kicks and passing game. I think they're really building to be, uh, you know, one of the top four sides. They, they're a real standout side for me at the moment. Yeah, well, my biggest rap for them. I, I ripped on them for the last couple of weeks, letting a lot of points in after blowing teams away. But they definitely showed on the weekend that they can go into that semi-finals kind of mentality which is putting you know the bit of the attacking flair away and having a forwards battle and they most certainly did that Sam and George Burgess were both absolutely monsters and I, I thought Ben Teo as well and all, all the forwards contributed there and just on the dog side of things a wrap to Tolman and Eastwood who are definitely carrying extra workload with uh, Cassiano and Graham being out and obviously Pritchard came back but you could always expect him to be underdone as was Barber but from both sides of it, if I'm a Dogs fan, I'm still not worried. I'm, no. just, I'm just cheering that the betting value continues to go up when they keep losing games. So once they've got everyone back on deck, uh, they should be pretty sweet. Well, they've but, had a really tough draw. Like, well, they the have really had on, a so. really tough draw. I mean, Cowboys, Storm, who do they play in round two? Cowboys, Storm, well, they played the Eels. That's probably their easiest game. They played the Eels round two. They played the Storm. They played the Rabbitohs. And then now they play Manly. So they could potentially have four of the top five sides in the first five rounds. So, I mean, I'd take nothing out of where the dogs sit. Um, they really, they competed right till the end in this game, so... Yeah, there was a negative, obviously, Inu's tackle on Greg Inglis. They're saying that he's going to get five weeks if he takes an early he's guilty taken, plea. He's taken the early guilty plea, he's got five weeks. Well, That's probably a smart game. idea, saying as though if he was unsuccessful, he was going to end up with seven. So, mm-hmm. in that regard, uh, it is a big loss. I think he has been really good so far this year, but... They do have Tim Lafayre, they do have some backup and Drury Lowe. They've got players that can fill in that position, so I don't really think they'll be they're too worried about it, and he'll definitely slot back in later on. Yeah, well, I mean, another talking point, Adam Reynolds, is he ready for origin? Well, we've obviously heard Andrew Johns and Matt Johns agree with his brother that they don't think he's ready for origin at this point in time. They think it could do a bit of a Jaron Mullen and break him and take him a couple of years to come back, but I just don't see it, regardless of a win or a loss result, I think. If you're looking at somebody to take control of uh, the New South Wales side and lead us forward, regardless of the result this year, it's Adam Reynolds. And I can't see him going back to club and, and being really phased about the result. I think, if anything, it's going to take him to another level and help South get closer to winning a comp. Yeah, well, what John, both John's brothers have said is in line with, obviously, Laurie Daly's uh, line before the season had even kicked off that Mitchell Pearce would be seven. Michael Maguire said in the presser afterwards that he, he thinks Adam Reynolds is ready for... State of origin. I think defensively, Adam Reynolds, he gets a lot of traffic around his way every week. He, he doesn't miss many tackles. His kicking game is much better than Mitchell Pierce's. Uh, passing game and, and, and decision making, I think Adam Reynolds is he's got an old head on his shoulders, that's for sure. He, he definitely makes 
uh, good decisions. Um, obviously, Mitchell Pearce has got the edge because he's he's had 10 or 11 games at State of Origin level. But for me, I, if we're going to pick the side on form, um, Adam Reynolds is, is the form halfback apart from Cooper Cronk in the competition at this stage. Yeah, well, I'd say Adam Reynolds, but I'm just going to put it out there right now. As far as I'm concerned, they've already written Pearce in, so... I don't know if it's it's going to be like every other year as far as I'm concerned. There's well, we always... lose game one, we go to Brisbane, and we lose game two. The series is over. So we need to pick our stronger side game one. It can't be we never we'll just do, do ourselves, a, um, do the players that, you know, you know got poor played in round, uh, sorry, game three last season. Like, should be no loyalty at all. Like, we, we haven't won a series for, you know, eight years now. So um, it's time to pick the team that deserves their spots. And I think at this stage, if I had to pick the pick the team tonight, it'd be the Reynolds brothers, that, uh, or not the Reynolds brothers, but the Reynolds boys, Josh and Adam, they'd be in the halves for me. Yeah, they'd be in the halves for me as well. The only difference there, like I said, is I would have probably given Carney the six and maybe put Reynolds as the bench utility if Carney didn't get hurt. You know I, what? I think he's been really good. After but... last night's performance, I'd almost have James Maloney in the six. Well, I wanted James Maloney last year. Well, we year, both wanted James Maloney and... last year, but... Prior to that, the year before, I couldn't believe he didn't even get a look in the, the grand final run that the Warriors went on. But uh, once again... And I mean, if if Pierce gets selected, that may fall in James Maloney's favour. They may pick yeah. based on combinations. So. Yeah, a bit like the Todd Carney situation again. But yeah. th- there's some options there. That, that's always a positive. But if you ask me right now who's origin ready physically and the, and the way they play their football, I definitely think the Josh Reynolds and obviously James Maloney, that, they suit that to a T. They're both really rough and tough players. Carney's had a dig, he's obviously got the injury, so I think he may slip out a bit of favour. But if you had to tell me which one of the sevens I'd want to pick out of uh, Reynolds and Pierce at the moment, I'm with you, I'd be picking Reynolds. But they all seem to have Pierce picked, uh, picked in that one, so we'll wait and see what happens. But all I can see in my head right now is the usual. They go to name it after on the weekend, and they bring the lineups up, and there's three or four blokes you think have been outstanding, and none of them get picked. Uh, E.G., Aiden Tom in the last couple of years, that mm. poor bastard, so... Moving on, Storm versus the Broncos, the other Friday night game that we had. Going the Storm's way, 32-26, to 26, but 20-6 to 6 at halftime, uh, and then it finished up 32-26. I think Craig Bellamy would have been throwing furniture around and swearing and chucking every expletive in the book, I think. Mm, well, that right-edge defence for Melbourne just fell apart in the second half, and Brisbane just kept bombing it and uh, coming up with uh, plenty, of, plenty of results every time they went there. I... It was a really strange game. I don't know what to take out of it, whether Melbourne are just uh, on the downhill run of their uh, amazing start to the year or whether Brisbane have found a little bit of fluency in attack. But from what I saw, it, Melbourne were red hot, obviously, for the first 20 minutes. Blew Brisbane off the park. Um, obviously, Brisbane were able to get a try heading into halftime, which gave gave them a little bit of hope. And then, obviously, they, they ended up leading um, 22-20, I think, with about 20 minutes to go or half an hour to go. So... Um, they were well in the game and Melbourne kicked up a gear again and, and class prevailed. Well, that's the one thing. I, I get sick of saying it, but I think I'm just going to be doing it all year. Smith, Slater, Cronk. Uh, there was four try assists between them. Billy Slater obviously grabbing three of his own uh, as, as well as an assist. And I'm just dumbfounded week by week. I, I don't know what I'm going to do when these three retire as far as being a Melbourne supporter is concerned. I just can't believe they've all come through at the one time. They're, they're amazing players, but... Uh, Hinchcliffe as well, as always, a lot of unnoticed work. Tohu Harris, absolutely love that bloke. Uh, couldn't be happier that he's finally getting his opportunity to be playing some first grade. But on the, the Broncos side of things, I thought Corey Norman showed some really good signs. He, he was involved in a couple of those tries, as was Peter Wallace. So I think those two 
both stepped up and Hoffman showed that he's keen to take back a, a, a bit more of an attacking role, probably with Norman moving on. But well, I, I'm, I'm not too sure about the Broncos still. I look at them and I think the other night was really good, but I want to see two or three weeks in a row. You want to see it all put together. But uh, right. they, they, they may be missing Thido this week, obviously, after grabbing the ref shirt while trying to demonstrate what happened at the scrum. I, I don't really see too much in it, seeing the fact he was you can't touch a ref. face-to-face. You I can't, know you can't, you can't touch, touch the ref, ref but so. it, wasn't, it wasn't like the Bailey one where he kind of lashed out. Yeah. And, and I think they both, him. like I'm a Titans fan, but they both should get suspended. You can't touch a ref. You you can't do it. I, I know they've both got the same charge, which seems fair. Bailey's going to get off because he's got a better record. I can understand uh, well, loading, that. Loading points has put Thido over. But well, the, Brisbane, the, Brisbane are going him. to contest it. They're yeah. going to contest it at the judiciary. I think, again, it'll be ridiculous if he gets off because the NRL needs to uh, be seen to protect officials. It goes right back to even... Uh, junior rugby league grounds on the weekend. No player can touch a referee, and if they say that's all right, it's as ridiculous as downgrading Richie Fayoso's shoulder charge last week. I, they have to stick firm on this. They have to follow through and give five day of the week. I, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been complaining if, if uh, Luke Bailey got a week. They both deserve to be charged. Yeah, well, it was the loading points that pushed Thiday over for a week, but we'll see how that one works out. Yeah, but that's bad luck. That's, that's bad luck. It is bad luck, but yeah, obviously moving on from that game, like you said, class prevailed. Melbourne did slip, but they get a nice long turnaround this week, and they get the Tigers, who are at home pretty well wounded, and yeah, they are at Melbourne, so that's that's pretty ominous as far as the betters are concerned. Most people get on the, the storm down in Melbourne and the Broncos. They're away to the Titans, but obviously not too much of a road trip, still up there. No. But uh, I, I'm well, a bit... for me, I, I'm a bit worried being a Titans fan, with Brisbane coming in on the back of that performance, and with us having played crap um, on Sunday and still getting a win, but short turnaround. Um, it's always a huge grudge match, little brother versus big brother, but uh, I think the, the Broncos are heading into this one on the back of uh, a little bit of momentum, so that, that worries me a little bit. Well, regardless of that, I think you guys got your couple of wins in a row. You showed that you could win ugly, so that's obviously a positive, but the Broncos, they did show good signs the other night, but whether they can carry that on, I want to see it a couple of weeks in a row before I start getting back on that bandwagon. Mm. Uh, the, the lone Saturday night game was obviously the Dragons versus the Sharks, the derby there. Uh, many expected the Sharks to cause a bloodbath, as did I, but it went the complete opposite way. 25-12, to 12, the Dragons got up, and Jamie Soward obviously showed a bit more wear after a lot of criticism. Chasing Nightingale was outstanding, and Trent Merrin, as far as I'm concerned, pretty much put his hand up and said that he should be playing Origin again, and obviously getting a lot more than 10 or 15 minutes this year, that's for sure. Mm. Well... The interesting one out of this was oh, the Sharks conceded first try and you would have sworn for the next 70 minutes they were panicking that they were behind on the scoreboard. They, The Sharks aren't a side who feel comfortable playing from behind. That was what I sort of took out of this. They just they panicked, pushed the pass, went away from their attacking structures straight after St George scored. They played right into the Dragons' hands. They were able to pick up cheap possession and field position through uh, Sharks' errors. So... Um, for me, yeah, the, the Dragons were good. I, I think they, they threw the ball around a little bit more um, than what they have in the last couple of weeks. So the shackles have been released a little bit from Coach Price. Um, Seattle was okay, I guess. Um, but for me, Jason Nightingale was brilliant in that game. That try that he scored, um, front page on the uh, in the sports section in the Sunday Telegraph, Dragonfly, it was, it was an incredible try and it just shows you how far the... The wingers and the athleticism of the blokes on the wing has come in in the last four or five years, especially now. What a great uh, great rule it was to remove the uh, corner post because that would have been denied 
a try, uh, you know, two years ago when we when the corner post still existed. That was just a stupid rule. The corner post it was. was just there. Like, yeah, it's there. It gives you a bit of an indicator. But the fact you've touched it while you're airborne and that you wouldn't get a try for it was just retarded, to be honest. But, mm. uh, I, I really, really thought that, like I said, Merrin stood out again. Merrin was he, he has every yeah. single week. I think he's probably their best player going forward and probably a future captain. And Seattle, like I said, I'm not going to get on that bandwagon after one week. He has been pretty poor. He reckons he wants to stay. There was talk he wanted to leave, but uh, I, I want to see a lot more consistency from him before I start giving him a pat on the back. One game's not enough. But uh, finally, they put in Jack Stockwell, the young front row. I thought he was really good, and I thought Matt Pryor got back to some of his best football. The Sharks obviously suffered the loss of Todd Carney, which they were worried about because he said he heard a crack. They thought it may have been the Achilles tendon again, but it's turned out to be a bit of bone bruising and a strain. So two to three weeks, and a suitable replacement that we both should think should be his partner at the moment instead of Robson in Chad Townsend, who's uh, racked up a couple of men of the match performances playing New South Wales Cup. Uh, the other probably upsides from that game after he went off was Gordon again, 180 metres. Looked very dangerous, and I think he's probably the number one right now to wear the New South Wales uh, fullback jersey. Yeah, well, the Sharks' attack just went out the window once Carney went off the field, and, uh, you know... The Dragons just ground away and, and eventually got the result. Um, it, it was a there was a lot of feeling in the game. There was a lot of big hits and uh, you know plenty of good defence. Um, uh, the crowd was involved. Um, uh, Jamie Soward had a rubber ball thrown at him. Um, I guess if I was that close to him, I probably would have thrown a brick if I could have. Um, <laughs> the way he carries on in Yahoo's, um, I think Jamie, mate, you need to putting performances week to week, not just one in, once in a blue moon before you start beating your chest and carrying on like Superman. Yeah, well, the Sharks were a bit scrappy, but I still want to give a wrap to most of their forwards. Paul Gallon, 230 metres, absolutely outstanding. Andrew Fafita made 49 tackles, scored a try and made over 100 again. He's another one that uh, I know many people probably have got a bit of an issue with, but as far as I'm concerned, he'd be one of my front rowers on the bench for New South Wales. I'd bring him on, let the angry man loose. Yeah, fair call. They're cool. But they're forwards. I think they'll bounce back. I think Townsend brings in a similar style to Carney. I think uh, we got our point proven on the weekend that Robson's probably just a little bit too slow to control that boat. You need a bit of speed. And I think long-term, I'll keep saying it until it happens, that Carney and Townsend is the long-term halves pairing. And if they bought a centre with the forward pack they had there and Gordon, that they'd be a lot more of a premiership threat. But Yeah, well, they got, they got found out with a lack of depth in the halves on the weekend um, and not having someone like... You know, they obviously had to move Wade Graham there as makeshift, so that really, their attack just went out the door. Yeah, well, um, like, like we've both said, he's moved on from his 5-8 days. He's a back rower now and an outstanding back rower who's probably another one who's around that rep arena sooner rather than later. But yeah. they get a pretty good turnaround this week without Carney, Parramatta off the back foot. I know it's at Parramatta, but I'm going to go the same as I did last week. I think the Sharks will be plenty angry. Townsend comes in, guides that ship. I, I think they get the, the bickies there. Well, and, based on what happened last night, yeah, I well, mean, the New South Wales Cup side could be Parramatta at the moment, the way they're playing. And there's one difference, I think, though. There's not too much positives coming up from the New South Wales Cup for Parramatta or too much depth sitting there waiting to come around. So see what happens there. And the Dragons, they have a home game against Newcastle. Once again, I, I can't really jump on that bandwagon after one week. One game's not enough. I have to see them put in two weeks, but I'd be leaning more towards Newcastle. They seem to have a bit of depth this year. They've won a couple in a row and they've had some changes and they keep getting the bickies, so we'll wait and see how that one pans out. But yeah, it's a dicey game, though. Mm. For now, that's four games, so let's have a break. We'll come back and we'll do the other four. 
for all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfield and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. Fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and Legends. Straight back into our review of the games of the weekend and the Sunday doubleheader. Obviously kicked off with the Titans versus the Panthers down here in the mighty west and the Titans prevailed from that one 28-10. I think we'd both agree and a lot of people have said it that the the Titans didn't actually construct too many of those tries but I'm still going to give them a pat on the back. They got away with a a scrappy result and that's what you need to do when you're going to be a top eight side. You need to win games where you don't create as many opportunities and Obviously, the Panthers weren't good enough to take theirs, so uh, or full credit to the Titans. Yeah, they had less possession, but their completion rate, uh, well over 75%, or, or just over 75%, I should say. Uh, they made less metres than the Panthers. They made more tackles. So if you had to look just purely at the stats, you'd say that the Panthers would have won the game um, in a close one, but the Titans won by 18. I, I know the Panthers were denied a try early in the game to the... Con- controversial uh, obstruction rule, which probably should have been a try. As a Titans fan, I thought Greg Bird probably milked it for more than it was worth. I did think Sikamano came through and made contact with him. Um, I don't know whether it was enough to uh, to disallow the try, but again, it was, and based on what the rules are at the moment, it, it had to be a, uh, a no try. Um, and then you had Luke Walsh waltz through under the sticks. Greg Bird comes over late and knocks the ball out. It could have easily been 12 all at half time, but I felt at half time. I, I left Centre Stadium at half time at 12 0. I was, I thought, well, we're not going to lose from there. And um, the Panthers did come back a little bit in that second half, but just didn't have the uh, the class to put the uh, put the points on the board and, and place the Titans under any pressure. Um, so for me, it was more. Yeah, as you say, the Panthers' poor work rather than the Titans' um, good work. So uh, they're now moving into desperation stakes. The Panthers, they go up to the Cowboys, and that's going to be tough. And, I mean, the Titans play the Broncos. So there's just, at this game, I mean, obviously I went there for the first half, and um, there was no atmosphere. There was there was no real um, crowd involvement. It was just, yeah, the, the, game, the game lacked uh, any sort of enthusiasm or any sort of spark. Well, I'm still going to give the Titans a wrap regardless of less opportunities. Uh, it's one thing to create them like Penrith did, but you need to capitalise. And there was two tries off, balls going to ground. I, th- I think they were a little too loose, but I also thought that they were that well, they did look very small in the forward pack compared to the Titans, which is uh, pretty easy to do with the size of them. Thought that their forwards again, Nate Miles, Greg Bird, led from the front. Uh, halves very solid again, and Sharma and Falloon, I think, good rotation going on there. Yeah, well, roads up the middle. I mean, meters gain tells me that Penrith made more meters than the Titans pack. So that's obviously to do with a little bit more possession. But um, I just thought that the difference was Aiden Caesar and Albert Kelly compared to Humble and Walsh. They, Caesar and Kelly managed to put points on the board when they had uh, had the opportunity, and, and Walsh and Humble had many more opportunities than what the Titans did down on um, in the opposition twenty, and they just couldn't convert. Well, I can't fault uh, Humble's effort. I, I like him a lot. I think he's going good. But I yeah, still, I don't think he's a six, but I, I think he's a six. But I still, I'm, I'm going to seem like I keep pointing the finger at Walsh, but he's been there for a number of years. He's played a lot more first grade 
than what Humble has. And after being there for so long, you'd think he'd have to take a little more control. I still think he's got to do more. Uh, pat on the back, though, to Josh Mansour, 240 metres, four offloads, a couple of line breaks, absolutely ridiculous effort. He's a gun winger, and I keep saying it every week. Korobiti, Iwate, uh, Lamarpe for the Warriors. The size of these wingers and the amount of metres and the way they run the ball is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, they're excellent. Excellent. Mm. Well, like you said, 28 to 10. Bit surprised. So just, many... just on that, in the Titans presser, uh, they gave a massive rap to Josh Mansell. They um, said, you know, they felt as though on kick return that he was just punching holes in them all day um, and making it really difficult to slow the Panthers down. So I think out of that metres gain, I know I just shot you down saying that it was probably the Panthers pack that dominated the Titans, mm. but you could probably say that that advantage would come down to Josh Mansour on kick return. He he was brilliant, and his ability to beat the first tackle, I know last night we were talking about that with two of us at Sheck, but um, Mansour's got more size as well, so if, if he can beat the first tackle and, and get his nose through the line, he can make metres after contact, which is you know a huge advantage early in your set, and it's going to make it easier for those Panthers players to come back on side and know that um, if the opposition keeps kicking to him, that uh, he's going to keep ripping it back at 100 Hundred mile an hour. He was an Australian schoolboy centre, and when I played twenties, he was the Rabbitohs, and he was a centre, and he was just a beast. There was not not too much footwork, and obviously in that comp, you can use the size to your advantage. But the fact he's coming to first grade and he's carried on that physicality, I'm I'm super impressed. And I don't know about a, a New South Wales call up as far as you know, probably having Morris and Yuwade and maybe Corabetti to compete with. But I, I don't think he's too bloody far off being a red winger. Yeah, I he, think he's maybe, a really solid. If player. he can maintain this form all season and then improve again over the off-season and head into next season as one of the elite wingers in the comp, he, I'd pick him on a, on a wing for New South well, Wales. I think the only difference is he doesn't get as many tries, but he's not exactly on a team that's scoring points, well, so you can't knock him on that. He doesn't exactly a point. have a centre feeding him the ball like some of the others do. But 28-10, like we said, Titans, you know, you've, you've got, got the result. You've got to win ugly. They've got to, got to back it up this weekend. They go home, got to put the beat down on the Broncos and put themselves as the number one Queensland team. The Panthers, well, they're away to the Cowboys, and to be honest, I think they can win this game with the amount of opportunities yeah. they created. And I the agree. Cowboys just continue to show a complete lack of football ability. They just, I, c- I cannot believe it for the amount of players they've got. They look like they've forgotten how to play. Mm. The front rowers, I think, stepped up yesterday. They both had 150 meter games, but just all around, Bowen, Thurston, there's, there's so many good players there, and at the moment, no one's taking the initiative to take control of the game. So I think the Cowboys were the wrong place, wrong time yesterday. I just think whoever the Warriors were playing yesterday, they were going to roll them. Um, it, was, it was similar to the feeling you got with the Dragons on Saturday night. They, they hadn't won a game all season. You just felt like the cards were going to fall their way eventually. And uh, unfortunately for the Sharks and the Cowboys, uh, they were the two teams that suffered having to play their side this weekend. Yeah, well, I feel that the Dragons took control from the word go, but the Cowboys, they just let it slip. So no mercy for them. But moving on to the other Sunday game, the Knights, 28-12, to 12, got up over the Raiders. Obviously, it was very close at half-time. The Raiders stole the lead at 12-10 and could have gone on the result, but class just showed again with uh, Mullen and Roberts, who's been outstanding in a couple of games. He's played for Gidley, taking control and showing what you need to do to win a game, and poor old Sammy Williams and McCrone and the whole Raiders side, to be honest, just looked a bit uh, kerfuddled when it came to trying to close things out. They didn't really know how to go about it. Didn't look like there was too much of a game plan, and the fifth Tackle options were pretty poor, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, they again they uh, gifted plenty of ball to the Knights in good positions. 
um, and that obviously took its effect. And uh, they only had forty five percent of the ball. The Raiders, um, you know, they're just they're really struggling at the moment. I don't know what to make of them. It looked like once they get down twelve nil, they feel comfortable and they can chase the result and chase points. But uh, you know, Newcastle, I think the difference with them, obviously having Tyron Roberts move to seven, has been a masterstroke. Uh, Wayne Bennett actually, you know, he mooted it before the season started that he, he was committed to having Tyron in his, his top 17 and, you know, the runs and all the results of that are now on the board because uh, he's proving a real linchpin in their side now. Well, even with Gidley getting cast, they get Badirus and I go back to what I said earlier about the Tigers and you need to have a bench impact in the NRL and the Newcastle Knights, they certainly get impact. David Farlogo, uh, Cuthbertson comes on and scores a double. Danny Badiris. Besides his shoulder charge moment, which uh, well, I've already touched well, I, on. I didn't mind the hit. I've got nothing wrong with the hit. It was on Blake Ferguson I'm too, just, saying, just saying what I said before. It's supposed to be being, I'm getting sick of seeing it happen and now I'm getting penalised for it. But yeah. there's the difference I'm talking about right there. In the NRL, you need to have an impact from your bench. They certainly got it. And having Big Willie back, he's bending the line back. They, they looked outstanding. Chris Houston, just all around. I know they let those tries back in, but they showed the class of what you need to do to be able to be a top four side and a final side. They've got Mullen, who finally looks like he's starting to come back to the four. I gave him a bit of a rocket in the preseason, obviously, and glad to see he's playing well. And I think going forward, him and Roberts has to stay. I know they're dancing around the issue. But Gidley's probably not a bad idea for nine. They don't really have one. And uh, Badiris has obviously come off another surgery and isn't training full-time. So I'd like to think that he's going to be the predecessor there because he's obviously not going to remove Boyd from fullback, and that, that could be a really good spine for the next couple of years going forward. So, mm. uh, As to whether that happens remains to be seen, but also a rapper Cade Snowden, a bloke who got a, a kangaroo jersey, who I thought was absolutely terrible last year, but he's had a couple of rip snorters. He seems to have got the anger back, 180 metres, and uh, Cuthbertson, two tries off the bench. So, uh, Yeah, well, he's, to be honest, he's playing against a side and a forward pack that's going like a busted, so... Again, the Knights are going to fall into this category that I'm going to put the Roosters into now. I want to see them play uh, someone of of, of uh, class, you know, a Melbourne or a, or a Bulldogs or a Rabbitohs or um, a Manly, um, because obviously, you know, last time they played a, a side of of any substance like that, the Knights got smashed at Brookvale Oval and, and couldn't post a point. So. Um, yeah, and, until that happens, they've just got to keep getting the results, and then uh, we'll see how they go once they play one of those classy sides, or the elite teams in the NRL. Yeah, well, the Raiders just need to be locked in a room and beaten up, because for some unknown reason, they, they've just forgotten what football is, and that you need to be angry and have a bit of physicality to win a game. They completely lacked, uh, you know, any, any kind of physicality or dominance, especially that forward pack. Like you said, they've got a huge forward pack. The only two players that really stood out for mine were Sean Fensom, as always, he, he racked up the numbers and had a million carries, as he well, always does. Probably not as always. I mean, I know he's, he's one of your favourite blokes, but he hasn't had a real strong start to the season. But that was by far his best performance of the year. Well, the last two weeks, he's kicked back in. He's had yeah. almost 20 carries in both games. So, And Blake Ferguson, I know he's a big fan, but I thought he was outstanding the other night. He, he showed great intent, jammed a couple of people, was good on the ball, 160 metres, but... Overall, like I said before, just a complete lack of all-round effort and, and the halves' fifth tackle options off the back of a lack of go-forward. You know, I, I can't really blame them, but all-round, they all need to have a, a good hard look at themselves and sit down and try and come up with something because yeah. at the moment they just look like a completely disjointed unit. Well, it's not that I'm not a fan of Ferguson. It's just I think he needs to let his football do the talking and he performed well on the weekend. So um, um, stay out of the papers and 
keep your head off uh, Twitter and Facebook and um, you know focus on the job at hand and and you know play good footy. Well, I said it last week. I, I didn't think he shouldn't have been back that early, but two X and R and R, two good games. As long as he keeps this up, I'm fine with him doing what he's doing. So, well, Bo Scott out for three months. Yeah, um, needs a groin surgery. Groin so surgery. That's so. obviously a bit of a loss. And Gidley needs them. to do his cognitive test to see if he can play this week. But if not, not really a big concern, which I'm starting to feel bad for Gidley. It's a bit of a New South Wales bench thing going on again. Yeah. Roberts and Mullen, Darius Boyd, and obviously if he's out, they've got Bidiris and they can stick Hilda straight on the bench to replace him. So mm. Plenty of options there. Wayne Bennett's really good at uh, you know recruiting blokes that are going to give him versatility and... Uh, and, and depth in, in all positions, especially the key positions. Yeah, we'll touch it on one more just before we move on. Alex McKinnon, as you talk about versatility, a bloke that's only just turned 20 years old, played a couple of years of first grade and fired one over from the Dragons. I don't see Tahu getting back into the centres, to be honest. I like McKinnon a lot. Mm. He made over 100, great defensively. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a really big fan. And I think going forward when Scott's healthy again and some of those forwards he's brought over, they're, they're going to be hard to score points on. They're really starting to build a side, and he's got his touch on that, and I can only see it getting better in the well, weeks to come. Yeah, the Raiders now, they, they play the Roosters. That's uh, Things don't get any easier. Um, and Newcastle, they play the Dragons. So, I mean, the Dragons are on the up. They'll be difficult to play, and it's away from home for the night. So uh, a job to be done there for them. Yeah, well, I think the Roosters will hopefully turn up and do what they need to do and hopefully inflict a little more hurt. I'm starting to get a bit excited about the Roosters. I know they haven't played too many great sides, but from what I've seen last night... It's one thing to win a game against a bad side. It's another thing to score 50 and have that kind of completion and play a great brand. And uh, As far as the Knights are concerned, they need to put two together, but hopefully the Dragons turn up and show the fight they showed last week. Mm. Moving on to the Easter Monday doubleheader that happened. Obviously the Warriors, 20-18, to 18, we spoke about it earlier, over the Cowboys, who I'm just dumbfounded. Or I just want to bash my head on anything hard that's nearby every time I've watched them so far this year. The first round, I... I didn't get too excited, but I looked at them start off really slow and then pull 24 out of the bag and thought, you know, that, that, that's just one of a better side. When, when you can start down by 12 and then come back and score 24 unanswered, I thought they were going to start to slowly build and take off, but seems to be the complete opposite. They, they, they've just gone completely and utterly backwards every single week, much like Parramatta have since round one. Mm, yeah, they're, they're a hard side to get a measure on, but uh, wrong place, wrong time yesterday, as I said earlier, I think. You know, the Warriors clicked yesterday. Uh, the Cowboys shot away to a 12 0 lead, and um, they really needed to score uh, any points after that would have been great. I think 14, um, you know, 16 or 18, obviously with a try or a penalty goal or something at 12 0, would, would definitely have been enough to shut the Warriors out of that game. Um, but they, they couldn't, they didn't manage to do it. They, they sort of went away from things and um, a lot of errors and just gifted the Warriors uh, some, you know, Cheap ball, cheap field position, and when you do that to sides like the Warriors, they're, they're eventually going to click if you give them enough opportunities. And, uh, and you know, at the back end of the game, I didn't see anyone else winning other than the Warriors because, uh, um, you know, they, they just came home like a steam train. And the, and the Cowboys basically played the Warriors back into form yesterday, I thought. Yeah, well, Sean Johnson easily had his best game of the year. He was in great control and obviously showed how important it is to have a good number nine with Nathan Friend back yesterday. Yeah, that was huge for the Warriors. Yeah, pretty much played the whole game, controlled it. It freed Elijah Tarr up to do what he does best again, which is be a, a forward with good footwork and the ability to offload. And Madalino, Mannering, all those guys, I thought they, they showed a lot of heart. And 
with Dane Nielsen getting hurt and Locke getting hurt and ended up closing out the last eight or seven minutes of that game, not even been able to put a player on as Ben Henry got taken off with a concussion. They sealed the deal. They got the job done and a big rap to them. They've been under plenty of pressure, like Matt Elliott said, and obviously we're more interested to see, like most teams this time of the year, how they're going to go this week if they can back it up. But pretty impressed last week and just just happy to see Sean Johnson play the way he did. He's the kind of bloke I want to watch every week with anticipation and it was good to see a springy step and taking the line on. So hopefully, you know, puts him on his shoulders and starts to carry him a bit more and realise that Maloney's not there and Lula-wise probably, I, I still think he's a nine, even though they've got a friend there. He, he played more nine for the international side and looked good, but I think Johnson's really got to continue to control things until maybe Carlos Tumavave's healthy again to yeah. be play six and be a bit more of a foil for him. Well, definitely. I thought the other one uh, who sparked back to uh, sparked back to life last night was Conrad Hurrell. He uh, scored a brilliant try, ran some tidy lines, uh, put some whack back into his defence. Um, so you know, they uh, they look good. The Warriors. I, I mean, it's weeks a long time in footy, and I mean the difference between their performance against the Sharks last Sunday and then uh, at home yesterday was uh, incredible. So um, and, and even to shut it out at the end there with only twelve players, I. They didn't have it easy. I mean, if if you looked at who had more problems in terms of injuries and rotation on the bench, it was definitely the Warriors. Um, so, I mean, the Cowboys can leave New Zealand with no excuses other than uh, their own poor performance. Yeah, well, I'm still just dumbfounded. It's almost like a curse when you sign a big contract, isn't it? Because Jared Hayne has been frustrating since he signed, and Jonathan Thurston's... I know he's trying hard, and everyone says that, and... It's the truth. He gets more touches than anyone probably in the comp, but even him at the moment, he just looks frustrated and mm. lacking a little bit. But I'll keep going back to it. Matt Bowen showed himself for the first time as far as I'm concerned yesterday. If he's looking for a contract at the moment, I'll tell you what, he's not doing too good of a job and neither is Brent Tate. He had an absolute Barry Crock yesterday. He racked up some errors and some poor decisions and eventually gave away the penalty that led to Sean Johnson kicking him eight ahead with seven to go. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think the Cowboys, the Cowboys will click. Uh, it's just at the moment they're just lacking that little bit of fluency um, and I mean as you say it's it's an important game up there at home for them this week and uh, just as important for the Panthers Well a real sign of how you know you're going bad and man you looked at this yesterday and had a bit of a laugh both were called uh, you know called off before they happened but Michael Morgan obviously dropping a ball that was there to be scored if it you know if it yeah. wasn't called as an error before that you know that, that's a try gone begging and then the other one was fire fire lower cruising into the corner with the one hand put down and he dropped it. It was called forward, but it just showed all, all over how their day was going yesterday. If those two were play on, that's two tries gone begging and, and the game gone. Yep, that's right. So, so that, that, that's, yeah, that shows you where they, they're at at the moment. The Cowboys. I'm, I'm a little bit bothered because I watched Neil Henry and he didn't seem as concerned. And I know they've got a quality side, but if I'm Neil Henry, I'm, I'm going back in there and breaking some furniture. I'm, 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 I'm wanting to get some wins on the... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today board before Origin because they're going to suffer losing the two front rowers and Thurston so I don't, I don't think they can afford to be complacent 
and or finish in the bottom half of the eight. They need to be in the top four. Yeah. Are they a side now you look at and think, well, they're in danger of missing the eight? I don't think they'll miss the eight, but I think they're torching their chances of winning the premiership if they're not in the top four. I think if last year showed you anything in this new system, you have to be in the top four to win the comp as far as I'm concerned. And with the teams that are ahead of them, Melbourne, the Dogs are going to get their players back. Newcastle starting to take shape and the Roosters taking shape. I think there's a lot more competition going to be there for the Cowboys, even though they do have an outstanding lineup. So you can't drop wins. And when you're going to be an origin-affected side, like I've said about Melbourne and your Souths, who... Uh, you know, getting those points on the board and you, you just need to get the job done early. You need to find ways to win games before that comes around because they're going to have a bit of a lull. You know, Jonathan Thurston's going to be tired. Those two front rowers can't get bashed every week and keep putting up those numbers. They really need to start getting some momentum before Origin comes around. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I, you know, after six rounds, we'll probably sit down. That's a quarter of the way through the season. So um, in terms of how many games each team will play, they'll play 24, so... Uh, six into it will be a quarter of the way through. Um, we'll get a better idea on where the Cowboys are at. But, um, you know, if they drop this weekend's game or even the next two, um, I think the uh, panic button will be pushed up, up up there north of the border. Yeah, well, the Warriors have got a big test this week to back up, obviously, against South Sydney, who are in sensational form. So let's hope that they can put two good weeks together. And the Cowboys, another one of those games, a bit like how we said last week, that they, they should have beaten the Warriors and been a certainty. They've got Penrith being served up to them at a good time, but whether they can get the two points remains to be seen. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that one. But moving on to the last game of the round, which was the second one of the Monday night, the Roosters played the Eels, and as everybody does know, 50-zip, an absolute bloodbath, and a pretty calm Ricky Stewart afterwards saying he doesn't think it's going to get too much better uh, Any time soon, which is pretty discouraging if you're an Eels fan. After uh, you know, you watch round one. I'm not saying that's enough to go on and think they're going to have a great year, but you look at that and think, wow, for what we've got on the field and the, the brand of football we played, if we do this every week, we've got a pretty good chance of getting some wins this year and dodging the spoon. Well, I don't know. A lot of people, and I've spoken to a lot of people today, and they're raving and raving about the Roosters, and you know, good on the Roosters. They they put the points on and they. You know, they spanked Parramatta and I, I, I mean, I think the majority of the sides in the NRL would have, would have towed Parramatta up last night the way they played. Parramatta's attack last night was like a rugby union game. They would just play the ball, run one out, play the ball, run one out and look, you know, if they're in field position, Chrissy Sandow would go for a, a 40-20 or they'd just bang it downfield and go and chase. Their defence on the edges is the worst I've ever seen by an NRL side in recent memory, they defend. Chris Sandow will come up, his centre will hold back, the winger will be 10 metres behind him. They might as well just defend, you know, um, on their own little islands because there was a few times there where I thought they could have shut down the play um, and, and closed down scoring opportunities by the Roosters, but because they're defending as individuals, it's just making things so much easier for attacking sides. And, um, well done to the Roosters. I don't want to take any any polish or, or anything away from them. They were excellent. And James Maloney, I thought, was by far and away the best player on the field. Uh, Mitchell Pearce was good. The forward pack was great. Sonny Bill's playing excellent. Two of Arsashek was, was brilliant. Jennings is looking more and more like an origin centre. Um, so please don't don't take it as I'm taking any, anything away from the Roosters. But I took more out of this. Just Parramatta fans, I... I can't see too many positive days coming up in 2013 because 
the way they defended. And then to hear Ricky Stewart say, well, it's not going to get better. Well, Ricky, it has to get better, mate. You need to go back to the basics of fundamentals of football, push up around the players running the ball, and in defence, you need to defend as a unit because you didn't either yesterday. And um, I've seen under-9s teams with better structure and uh, better organisation than what I saw out of the Eels last night. It was Sonny Bill at one point in the first half, had five carries, four offloads, and scored a try. So he's starting to find a bit more of his influence and be a bit more comfortable. Just adding on to a few more of those players he gave a rap to. You could give all of them a rap, but I thought Tupo was awesome backing up Jennings. And obviously yep. Jennings has learned how to pass this week. Got him a lot of good ball and chewed up some ground. And Jared Ray Hargroves and Sam Moore in the front row, those two outstanding, as well as Boyd Cordner, who's supposedly had a shoulder problem and needs an operation, but he's not going to get it done. He was awesome last night, really Really, really good. And another bloke I look at and think in a couple of years' time, only so young, another back row that has potential to put a blue jersey on. But two key numbers to come out of this, 12 to 5 in the error count. And obviously the completion rate for the Roosters was absolutely outstanding. And 47 missed tackles to 12. So, Well, the Eels only made 1,000 metres. Mm. That shows you how just pop gun their attack is. It's, it's awful. Well, the only forward, awful. the only forward who made over hundred meters was Tim Manor, and you know he had a red hot go, but one out is not going to do you too much favors. And, and Ben Smith, he made forty, but obviously most of them should have made thirty with how many how much defense they did have to do. But mm-hmm. I thought he was really the only one who looked rock solid in defense. He, he's the only one who had a bit of whack. But I think uh, Jared Haynes moving into Tyson's zone too. He's uh, he's going to be good for a snap in the next couple of weeks. He just looks to be getting. More and more frustrated. I don't know whether it's the captaincy that's weighing on his shoulders. Obviously, their performances are placing him under pressure, and he's the leader and the elite player in that in that side. So the pressure is rising on Jared Hayne, and he's heading into Tyson's zone. There's going to be a snap in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's just difficult times ahead. I, Ricky Stewart's one of these guys. I know he's playing at low key at the moment, but uh, he's a very aggressive and, and he demands perfection and demands success. I don't know how long we're going to see the low-key approach from him either. So, Parramatta are a ticking time bomb as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, I say what I've said before. They, they need to get a bit more aggressive their recruitment. I still think the, the Norman deals are positive, but way too much money. They need a couple of forwards. They need a point of difference. They're a very boring uh, one-dimensional forward pack. There's not really an offloader in there or anyone with a bit of feet and ball play in them besides Renny Matua. I know Paulo's got a bit of ball play in him, but just too much messing around. He doesn't have great line punch or great footwork. He kind of skips his way in there and always tries to look for a tip. So. Well, that's a really, really smart thing you've said. A point of difference. Now, if you look at Penrith, their point of difference this year is James Seguiaro. I mean, he's been brilliant for them. And you now look at the Cowboys without Seguiaro. And that may have been a point of difference for the Cowboys. And it's just interesting how you know smart operators recruit. And it's a it's testament to Cleary and Gould at Penrith. Um, I know Neil Henry's really disappointed to have let him go, but you're, you're exactly right in what you say. They need to go out there and find someone with the ability to give you that point of difference and give them some spark in their attack. I think Chris Sandow's got the potential to well, be that if, guy, if you but want... they don't have a nine. They need a nine. Yeah, but I'm not talking halves or nine. Like in your forward pack, regard, that's what I've said to you about the Raiders before. There's too many of the same forward same Raiders. Guy, yeah. Big guy, runs straight into the line, doesn't get between defenders, don't really offload. The only one there who has any kind of feet or impact is Papali, but even him, he's got a lot of development. But mm. move on to a Bulldogs. Cassiano's got size, feet, and a pass. Graham's got feet, minutes, and a pass. Mm. Aiden Tolman plays minutes. 
Frank Pritchard gets in between defenders, breaks tackles, yeah. offloads, ball plays. Yeah, they all offer you, their you, little bit. It's one thing to have yeah. one of those forwards. It's another thing to have a forward pack built with a point of difference, which then allows to open up you know, the rest yeah. of your game. If you want Sandow, if you want Hayne to a bit more, which is why I'm not so harsh on them, it all starts in the engine room. I'm biased because I'm a forward, but it's the truth. No one gets anywhere without a forward pack, and your forward pack can't be all one out, rugby union, three people get in on them and put them on their back. You need to have a point of difference, and the only one right now who offers multi-dimensions is Randy Matua. He runs good lines. He's fast. He's got ball play, but he's getting older, you know. He's come back, and he's probably got a couple of years left in him, but he's not a long-term solution. Yeah. Paulo doesn't hit the line like a rocket. He's a good ball player, but too fidgety. But if I'm them, I'm looking at my forward pack right now, and I need a point of difference. I need to get one or two more blokes in there that are going to give me something besides a one-out carry and get bashed every time. Well, there's times, like I watched Joey Paulo last night, and the ones where he should pass it, he doesn't. And mm. the ones where, you know... He does, he shouldn't. He does, he shouldn't. It's just... I don't know, there were times there last night where the Roosters' winger would have been on the outside post of the field. They would have been covering 60% of the field just because they knew Parramatta were just going to lug it up one out and kick it. Mm. And you wonder why you're only making 25 to 30 metres a set. It's just... Shoot yourself in the foot. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how they go this weekend, but they're playing another side who are going to bash the hell out of you if you run one out against them in the Sharks, yeah, well, and they're on the back of a loss. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see how they go this weekend, Parramatta. Well, same deal there. The Sharks have got points of difference. Um, yep. The Rabbitohs, another one. You know, th- these are the better sides in the competition. They don't have your one-dimensional forwards. And the, probably the, the ultimate example, uh, even the team they played the other night, the Roosters, Frank Paul Nuasala, ball play, feet work, Cordner. There was a lot of two-tipping. Even Jared jumped in a few times as a two-tipping. Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill is the ultimate example of offering a point of difference. So you can't play in the NRL anymore and just have dumb one-up hit-ups. It just doesn't work. The, the ruck is open up a little bit, but if you're going to take one-out carries, you deserve to get the crap wrestled out of here like they did last night. They need to get smarter and join the rest of us in 2013. Mm, definitely. Well, that sums up that round, so we'll move on to the Degenerate Gambler section, see if we can make you all a bit of cash. Degenerate gamblers section for this week after probably a pretty disappointing week last week. My multi crashed and burned. Two of the three teams I had it on obviously went down and there was no 40-20 in the two games I predicted, so not exactly a great week. The only thing I got right was the Akulia Wate as an anytime try scorer. He got one. What about you, Brock? Uh, well, I uh, I like the Eels and the Panthers with the start last week and uh, both got pounded, so <laughs> um, not real good. My multi went down with the uh, the Sharks losing, so not a great week to kick off the uh, our gamblers section. But uh, you know, as they say in the in the classics, there's always next week, and uh, here we are. Yeah, unless your missus leaves you, if you put too much on. But <laughs> I've got uh, a mate at work who's uh, who could be in, in that category. Uh, he, he might be eating sayos this week after the weekend he's had. I don't mind <laughs> sayo and cheese anyway, but. Uh, for a multi-bet this week, oh, I'm going to do it every week. I don't care. We, we all know multis get burned because you go too deep. But the three that I like, the Sharks, the Knights, and the Roosters, they're all away, so they're all given a little bit of value. Dollar fifty-three for the Sharks against Para. Newcastle, $1.65. And uh, obviously the Roosters, $1.50. Totals up to be $3.80. Obviously all away, like I said, but... 
you know, looking at the multi-value, there's, there's not too much else there, and I think all three of those have a good possibility of winning. Mm, my best bet this week, the Dogs to win 1-12 to at 375 over the Manly Seagulls. Uh, my multi, I've thrown the Dogs in, uh, into the Sharks, into the Roosters, and that'll get you a juicy price of $4.55. Well, i got uh, two best bets this week, and they're both line bets. Sharks minus 5.5 at $1.90. I think that's a good one, and the Knights minus three and a half. I think both of those have got a bit of value there. Uh, the only other thing I'll chuck out there, if you like having a random ten dollars like I do on an anytime try scorer, Seguiaro. I'd chuck ten dollars on him as an anytime against the Cowboys. You know he's going to be probing around, and especially going back there to try and let them know that letting him go wasn't exactly a great decision. So I like that one. Mm, I uh, don't know. I. The one for me, I think Brisbane will be a, a decent value against the Titans. I, I know last week I thought the Titans would get beaten. Um, based on their performance on Sunday, short turnaround, the Broncos, I think they look really good um, on, against Melbourne, especially in the second half. So they're going to come to uh, Skill Park probably desperate. Um, I think they're given odds of 240 at the moment. So... If you like the Broncos, that's probably uh, you know that's as good of a price as you're going to get um, in, in a 50-50 game for them. Yeah, and our bold predictions for last week, obviously I only made one. You made a couple that absolutely crashed and burned. I did. What were those? <laughs> the, oh, well, I like the Eels to win. Yeah, well, um, how'd that work out for you? Not real good. 50-0. Not real good. Um, I don't know. It was, just, it was on the back of you know the Eels' performance against the Tigers. I didn't think they were that bad. I didn't think the Roosters were travelling that great. But, I mean, if Parramatta just hung in a little bit harder in that first 25, but the Roosters were perfect last night. I can't take any, anything away from them. Um, and Parramatta simply gave up. So uh, the other one was the Panthers to beat the Titans, and they probably should have. I know they got beat by 18, but um, well, opportunities. The, Pan- the Titans were there to be had. Opportunities in the numbers, I agree with you, but obviously didn't come to fruition. No. I said that Steve Price was going to... Keep getting rolled, and they were going to get bloodbathed, and he'd be looking at the sack. And they win. obviously they proved me wrong. And this week, I'd only probably have one that I look at and see a possibility, and that's Penrith again against uh, the Cowboys up there. Cowboys just keep disappointing me. Not saying they're going to do it again, but Penrith have had a go every single week. I don't think they're going to stop having a go. They've got nothing to lose. That they're still in a rebuilding phase, and I think all the players know that. So, especially with Seguiara going back home, I see them having a red hot crack and. The Cowboys, I'm kind of starting to drop my points off them in the tipping comp. Not not as confident with them, but uh, I hope they prove me wrong. Mm. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. The Panthers, well, that's desperation stakes for both those sides. The loser of that game will go to uh, one out of five, which is pushing the panic button. Uh, but my bold prediction, and it, it goes in line with my best bet and one of the legs in my multi, I think the Bulldogs will not only win, but I think they'll win fairly comfortably over Manly. I, I'm not going to back them 13 plus because, you know, I, I think teams play to win, not to win by a margin. So um, I think they'll they'll get home one to 12. Um, but based on what I've seen from Manly, particularly in that first half, and then against the Titans a week before, um, then I don't think they're travelling as smoothly as everyone thinks. And I, I think the Dogs they've had a tough draw. They now head into Manly. It's a game they probably must win now. Um, otherwise, they're going to be down at the uh, one out of five. So. Uh, I think the dogs will win, and they're giving you great price, dollar ninety-five. Just that's just head to head. Yeah, good value. I think that one's a bit of a coin toss. I think they'll throw up a good game, and the dogs. I'm still still sticking by. I get on them for the, the premiership value later on in the year when once they've got everyone back, they're well, the stretched one, out. 
So the other one is the um, the Roosters against the Raiders. They're a dollar fifty five. That's ridiculous odds. They should be a dollar twenty based on what they dished up last night. The Roosters. Mm. Well, if you wanted to load up, you could have a risk there. But that's uh, the degenerate gambler section for this week. Hopefully, we can win you some money after last week's poor effort. Besides the Uate try scorer. But let's just see how it works out. As we all know, usually when you chuck some cash on something, much like a horse or a dog or anything, it always comes back to bite you on the ass. But <laughs> hopefully a bit of money this week and no more sayos. So uh, now we move on and be joined by Mr. Gossip. Now it's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. Welcome back, Mr. Gossip. Feel free to enlighten enlighten us with your excellence. <laughs> How are we, boys? How was your Easter? Oh, it was good, mate. It's good. It's quiet. A couple of beers. I had a thousand um, beers. <laughs> no chocolate. <laughs> Plenty of chocolate. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have four days off, I guess. Yeah, no, it was good. It was, it's a quick week, so I haven't got a lot of gossip, but um, I guess the biggest one to start with is, is Josh Dugan again. Now, everything was great. He had agreed to terms with the Broncos, three-year deal, $2 million. Everyone's happy. And we all know, what is he going to do? He, he, he's a bloody pork chop and goes on Instagram and, and has fights with fans. And I just don't know what's going through his head. So, as we've read in the papers, the Broncos have pulled back the deal. So, you know, where to for Dugan from here? Yeah, well, I've read a little bit about it. Apparently, it was an old uh, Raiders fan from the old Bay 52, I think, which is the mob that wear the helmets and a, a bit of stick about Reese Robinson and being better off. And there was also a bit of a joust about his mum. So I don't think he uh, took to it too well. And I read an article today from one of the Daily Telegraph writers saying that you just need to ignore all the trolls. And I think that's the point it's got to. Uh, apparently, the, the Dragons are still interested. I haven't heard too much about that, or if you know too much, but... If, the, if that's what it's going to be for this year, he really needs to get off the social media and, and take this seriously and have a chat to the Dragons, I think. Well, the Dragons are rubbing their hands together now because I put a huge deal out to him and he rejected them and said, I'll go to Brisbane. Mm. Now, Brisbane have said, see you later. So now the Dragons may just be able to pick him up on the cheap. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the mail I'm getting today is funny. From his manager, apparently he's now being assessed by psychologists and, oh, it's just... It's days of our lives. It's Oprah Winfrey. It's just, it's crazy. So someone's going to pick him up on the cheap, uh, whether it goes to, to England's even been mentioned as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very crazy anyway. Yeah, well, Paul Sutton, his manager, I'm very surprised that after the Instagram incident, why didn't he intervene? Uh, you know, I thought that was part of the manager's gig to hop in and do the best interest of your client. You'd think that after the photo, you would have just said, all right, we need to hop off there for a while and keep things calm. But that, that didn't happen. Yeah, that, well, maybe he did. I mean, who knows? He, he could have said that. Dugan likes to think he's a bit of a rebel, so I just don't know what's going through the kid's head. So his manager's made it pretty public now that, you know, uh, that Josh is being assessed by a psychologist, so we're going to get him straightened out and blah, blah, blah. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up, that's for sure. Mm, I'm going to stay away from this one. I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's his 15th. Thousandth chance. I just don't get it. I, I was, I'm shocked that the Broncos even made him an offer. And you know, the mail we got was the offer that Brisbane tabled him was pretty good. So I don't know. I know footballing wise that Brisbane probably needed him, but in terms of the proud culture they've built up there, they they really don't need him in terms of the stuff that he brings off the field. No, exactly. I, I agree. Yeah. 
Then also we've got Johnny Sutton, the Raider, who's absolutely on fire. Now he's off contract at the end of the year. He's not getting any younger. He's 28. Um, the Rabbitohs, as we know, are full of superstars now. So, um, yeah, off contract, and I'm hearing Gus from the Panthers is very, very keen on Sutton. Now, would he leave the Rabbitohs? I personally don't think so. But like I said, he's 28 years old. He could get big money from the Panthers because they're cashed up which could set him up for, for basically the rest of his life. So Sutton's got to do what's right by Sutton. And it'll be interesting whether he stays loyal or whether he goes for the money. Either way, hopefully he's, he's fan supporting. Yeah, I, uh, I had a conversation with a Parramatta fan on the weekend and I sort of said to, to him that I'd be making a play for Johnny Sutton if I was Parramatta. Now, I, I know they've obviously got Corey Norman, but... Um, I mean, it seems like a, a pretty logical thing to do for the Panthers. I mean, they, they're pretty well off in the front row stocks now, also adding Brent Kite. They've got Dean Warre, who is a, who's a young fullback. They've got plenty of brilliant young outside backs coming through, plenty of good back rowers. They've now fixed their hooker situation. James Seguiaro has been uh, you know, amazing for them this year. The next stop is, is obviously in the halves. Blake Austin's been moved there this weekend, so they're still missing that six. So it makes perfect sense. And, you know, the form that he's in, um, I don't know whether, you know, his form that he's currently in has got, has got a lot to do with Adam Reynolds or, or vice versa. Um, you know, that remains to be seen. But um, he, he deserves the offers that he's going to get, John Sutton, because he's finally uh, reached, um, you know, his ceiling and he's playing really good footy. It's good to see him finally reach his potential. Yeah, it's taken him a long time to get there. Now, mm. without being too critical of him, I think Reynolds does have a lot to do with it. I mean, you only have to look back at that game in the last year against the Bulldogs and that major semi. As soon as Reynolds went off, Sutton didn't really know what to do. So yeah. it'll be an interesting pick-up for the Panthers if they get him. It's going to cost them a lot of money. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, well, another thing, I've given a massive rap to a young guy, uh, Luke Keary, who's at the Rabbitohs. So I'm not saying that they won't pay for John Sutton, I think they'd probably like to make him a rabbit for life, but if uh, if, it, if it's a little overindulgent, it really wouldn't surprise me if they went the way of uh, young Keary. He's playing New South Wales Cup and he's still eligible for the 20s and it, it's very much another Reynolds situation, so as far as they're concerned, they, they might be able to get out of this and have him come up and have a young house pairing similar to Manly, but at the same time, I'm a big fan of John Sutton and it is a bit disappointing how... Patchy has been over time, but it, much like Brock said, I'm absolutely stoked now what he's doing. He looks fantastic. Yeah, people are even saying he could be could be there for Origin, especially with Carney now out for a couple of weeks. So hey, who knows? It's, it's great to see the Rabbitohs going well, and it's good to see something going well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And also, too, with the Dragons now, everyone <laughs> linked to the Dragons. I've got Mitch Orbison linked there. I've got Dugan linked there. I've got Garth Whitter. We've got Carney. I've got Joel Thompson. I've got Sam Williams. Every Tom, Dick and Harry linked to the Dragons. Now, they're having troubles. No one wants to go there. Why? Because of the coach. I mean, what young player would sign up to a club and they don't even know if the coach is going to be around in six months? So the Dragons have got to sort something out. If they want to attract top-quality players, and they need to because they're going to do a clean at the end of the year, I'm hearing. So they're going to do something pretty quick with Steve Price. They've either got to say, no, he's here till the end of the year, or... I'm hearing Tim Sheens is sniffing around the traps there. So if they get someone like Tim Sheens under the books, Dragons, and all these players that are linked to them, uh, they've got a lot of better chance of getting them, I think. Yeah, well, like we said uh, earlier, podcast, Craig Bellamy pretty much knocked down every single door 
and dragged them to the mud and said, I want complete control and I don't want the board to interfere. They bowed down to every single option possible and he still didn't want to go there. So there's obviously uh, a definite need for a clean out. And to be honest, even some of these blokes that are off contract that, you know, they're, they're probably not top line players at their clubs at the moment. I still don't blame them for being a bit iffy about going to the Dragons. And I think the only way for them to get any of those over the line would be to, you know, pay overs and, especially like a Gareth Whitop or a Todd Carney, none of those blokes are going to move on unless they get paid overs, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a strange sort of uh, generation we live in now where where players are so attracted to the coach, not the club. I mean, all you have to do is look at Barry Sport and Wayne Bennett, how they've been in bed together for a couple of years. It's, just, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy, really. I, I didn't really remember this happening in the 70s or 80s. It's just, it's just now where players just follow coaches here, there and everywhere. It's, it's strange, but... You know, that's what these young kids want. They want get out clauses, and if this coach goes, I want to go. It's all, all a little bit strange. But you know, the Dragons are definitely struggling recruitment wise because of their coach situation. Mm. You, you know what? Really, sh- I struggle to deal with, and I struggle to understand that. Obviously, Wayne was there for three years. He, he built them into a dynasty. You know, they they won um, two or three minor premierships. Obviously, won the twenty ten premiership. They've now falling in a heap since he's left. Surely someone on the Dragons board, someone in the in the management, the CEO of the Dragons, had to take out of what Wayne Bennett was doing and use it to prepare them for when he left. It just seems like they've put all their cards on the table, they've got their premiership, they're happy with that, and they just haven't looked at the future or planned for anything at all. Like they just fallen, fallen to pieces. That's right, they didn't. All they wanted was a quick premiership. And anything after that, oh, we'll, 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 you know, we'll re, re, we will rebuild, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the model for success, strange. you would think, would be Wayne Bennett. I mean, everywhere he goes, he, he seems to put in systems at work. So I would have thought that, you know, they would have been studying the hell out of him. And Steve Price, I think Steve Price would have studied the hell out of him. Obviously, it's it's different. Um, you know, the same words will have a different effect coming from a different person. Obviously, you need to earn your level of respect as a coach. And, and Wayne's definitely yeah. got that. But... I just find it really hard to, to believe that they've just fallen in a heap and, um, you know, those s- systems that were so successful for them and now, you know, they, they seem to be having no effect at all. Yeah, well, from what I hear, Bennett keeps his cards very close to his chest. Mm. Now, Bennett went to the Dragons for Bennett. Bennett won, wanted to win the premiership for Bennett. There was no emotional ties there to the Red B mm. and all that garbage that, that people buy into. He was strictly there for himself and... Mm. I, mean, I guess that's what a good coach does. He goes there to, and then moves on to the next one and drags his staff with him and, and drags players with him. That's just the way he operates. Mm. Yeah, we well, look who he took over. Alex McKinnon was probably one of their most promising juniors. He's now obviously playing for Wayne in the centres in the back row and he's obviously picked up Costigan, Smith, Scott over time. But I'm a bit like uh, with Brock on this. Obviously, the Broncos, they've got that junior system and a good setup, which he left behind and anyone that's pretty much been his assistant, Craig Bellamy, one that's been tutored under him, and then look what Craig Bellamy's passed on for Michael Maguire. Like, it just seems like a bit of a knock-on effect, but surely they took something out of it. But even if they didn't, I don't think you could fall down as quickly as they have and as hard as they have. Yeah, I think the press and the pudding have done bugger all since he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and also, um, exciting news for Titans fans. I think we've got one of those on the podcast, mm. just quietly. <laughs> um, Luca Dwyer, um, he's going to stay with the Titans. He's probably got a couple of good offers from uh, the UK Super League, but he's going to stay at, uh, up on the Gold Coast, which I guess is good for all the diehard Titans fans anyway. 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't think the diehard Titans fan sitting about three feet away from me is too happy about that one. <laughs> 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 yeah. he, he started. He, did he start there when they entered the comp? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's not one of the only ones left. He, he, yeah. He's been there from the start. Yeah. He should have been one of the first to go. But... <laughs> 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 oh, big fan. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's good Good to see they're making more headway and trying to find a gun centre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dear me. And also, we got, the last one I got for the, for the week, fellas, is the Frank the Tank, Frank Pritchard. Now, obviously, Des wants to keep the Bulldogs. He'd like to stay at the Bulldogs. They've got a winning culture there, but I just don't think they'll be able to fit him under the cap. They're, they're still struggling to get uh, Reynolds under their cap. So he may leave. I'm hearing uh, Bennett's interested in him to go to the Knights because Mason's going to uh, retire probably by the end of this year or the following year. So Pritchard to the Knights, it could be on. Yeah, I was about to say, what about uh, Tom? Have we got any more news on him? There was obviously to and fro that he was going to the Rabbitohs and he was going to the Panthers and, you know, all around. But I think he's a New South Wales quality front row. He's a great player. I know the Rabbitohs and the Panthers both had, both had talks with him. The Panthers settled on Brett Kite. Um, so, yeah, no, it'll be interesting where he goes. They can't keep everyone. So they'll either keep Tolman or they'll keep Richard. Yeah, they can't keep everyone. So, um, yeah, who knows where he'll go. Yeah, well, looking at that situation, you can understand he's brought T-Rex over, even though he hasn't played that well so far. That, that's obviously the model for the Pritchard situation, a bit younger, and he, he got the best out of it manly. And you also look at Reynolds, you, you have to keep him, but you've got Graham, they've re-signed Clemmer, you've got Cassiano, so that obviously sees Tolman go out the door, and obviously Jackson and, and Finnegan as well in the position of Pritchard. You'd surely you'd rather put the money into those three younger blokes and keep them on board. Oh, yeah, I think that's what Des will do as well. So it's either Tolman or Pritchard that will go. Um, I guess it just depends on form and, and, and what they're asking. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of the salary cap, isn't it? Doing its job. Yeah, that's it, exactly. What did you make of the uh, obstruction rule, mate? I like the changes. Um, I think it was too complicated at the beginning of the year. Um, mm. Well, when I say complicated, it was, it was clear cut what the rule was. Yeah. It was just stupid. It was just dumb. Yeah, I see. I like I like the rule in the sense that, um, you know, if you if you obstruct someone and they then run through that space, I, I totally agree with it. But the ones that have got me are obviously, you know, the one that everyone talks about is the Cooper Cronk one, where he, you know, was three or four players across from um, where the incident occurred. I they're the ones I have a problem with. But otherwise, I think they've made it fairly clear. I'm pretty happy with where the obstruction rule was, apart from the fact that. You know, one can happen fifty meters, you know, on the other side of the field, and they score in the other corner, and they and they pull it back. That that was my issue with it. Yeah, I think too. It's good, finally, great to see we've got some procedures in place that we can make these changes and pretty quickly for four rounds into the season. So, I like that aspect of it that we can change things and not not have to wait till the following year. So, yeah, I applaud the NRL for that. That's for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And I think uh, Daniel Anderson should be applauded. He's been pretty prompt with the way things have been run. Uh, the only thing that's disappointing me, and this is the other part I was going to bring up, we obviously see the Denny Badira shoulder charge and the head clash that ensued. It's uh, another one, uh, along with many, that have gone missed, and now Blake Ferguson's out for eight weeks. So I, I know it wasn't the, the shoulder charge, but it was that contact that led to the head collision. Do they need to scrap it completely, or do we need to get some common sense and bring it back and just punish those who get it wrong? Yeah, geez, it's a tough one, isn't it? Now, I'm going to sound like an old war horse here, but you look at the Greater Western Sydney, 
uh, soccer team GWS or whatever the bloody call uh, soccer, <laughs> but how, how good they're going and their, and their crowds and how good soccer and A-League are going, all the young mums and dads, they're going to put their kids in the soccer and sort of rugby league if we keep getting these knockouts. So we do have to do something. And, it's, and before it was sort of, oh, well, it's not blokey enough, let's just control it at grassroots level, but that's what mums and dads see on telly. I don't want to see blokes getting knocked out. So I'm all for you know, getting rid of the shoulder charge. So I say keep it where it is. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, uh, we've got it on as our Facebook poll this week, and um, I guess it's going to be that fine line between um, too violent, not violent. Um, it, it's a tough one. I, For me, um, at the elite level, I think um, it needs to exist. Junior level, I'm, I'm happy with it to stay. I was happy with how it was pre 2013, but yeah, well, I mean, you look at the NFL and you look where that's got to, and and the situations they're in over there. I guess um, that's probably why the NRL are looking at getting rid of it before they have problems similar to what the NFL does in terms of concussion and and brain injuries and things like that. So I understand the uh, you know the holistic aspect of it. I, I guess looking at the the, the broader picture, but um, I do I do like seeing it, and I guess what's frustrating us is that we're still seeing it, and it's not being penalised. That's that's probably what's frustrating us. If you're going to make the call, make sure you enforce it. Yeah, well, that's what's getting me, and I'm going to sound like Gordon Tallis here, <laughs> and then I just got to have a, a couple of extra week picks. But, you know, it's it's just all the little things. Like being an ex player, I've been hit with one. You know, it's a great time. I love dishing them out too. I just think it's quite simple. At the elite level, if you get it right, you get it right. Good times. It filled up half the highlight clips. Uh, it happens on the flip side of the ball. As a ball carrier, it's pretty much, you know, you, you jam people, you hit them in the face, and you don't seem to get punished on that side of it. But if you get it wrong, and I'm completely for it, you, you get suspended and you get a hefty suspension. And on what Brock was saying, the NFL, um, you know, you, you tell us you can't shoulder charge. Then they take out the cannonball. What, what the hell are you supposed to tackle? We're going to get to the point where we're AFL, where they're going to say you've got the stomach. And you've got to hug him and then fall on the ground on your own. Like, <laughs> we're not playing AFL. I don't want to sound like Gordon Tallis, but I am going to support it. No, you're actually it, it is It is a collision sport. It is a contact sport. You can't hide every single body part. I'm, I'm not for canning balling or smashing someone in the face and getting cussed. But if you're going to play a game like rugby league, and I've experienced myself with double Ricos and a shoulder Rico, you've got, if you're playing a game like this, you are going to get hurt. That's mm. as simple as that. I, I don't agree with illegal contact with the head or the cannonballing, but if you're going to play rugby league, it should be legal, but if you get it wrong, you get punished for it. Yeah, I, I, what changed my mind was I think, I think it was round one last year when Simmons got hit by Pritchard, the yeah. Panthers winger. That was a nasty and one. He, wasn't it? Yeah, he was out for a couple of weeks, and I think in the Telegraph, one of the papers showed a picture of him in hospital with his wife and his kid next to him, and he's coughing up blood for a couple of days, and you know, that's 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 not good. No, uh, that, that's. Not what we want to see, you know. For, yeah. It's each their own, I guess. I mean, the, the big collision is great for our sport, but for me personally, I get off more on watching someone like a Billy Slater, the the skill set of rugby league, rather than the the, the, the physical big yeah. buffy hits, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I'd rather watch a, a Billy Slater try from eighty yards out than two props. You know, knocking blood out of each other, but that's just me. No, oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, um, I'm a dumb old front row, so I like the, I like the brutality. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the uh, Chris and Inu, Inu tackle, mate. What do you think of that? Oh, that was terrible. I, so you're for uh, the send off? I, I, I want to send him off. Yeah, I want to send him off, but I, I think I've already showed you blokes and a bit of a, a softy when it comes to looking after our players, especially around the noggin. Yeah, um, that's well, just not on, mate. I just you know. <laughs> 
what's it going to take someone to be in a wheelchair? It's just, it's, it was dumb, it was stupid, it was the Christian Ennio of the Warriors days. Yeah, I, and I was just about to say to you, I, I think that uh, that one was one that could have easily ended in a wheelchair. I mean, he's probably lucky he didn't drive him um, into the ground, uh, but it definitely didn't look good. It was a very nasty tackle. He was lucky. He was very, very lucky that, yeah, there was no serious damage. It was, it was awful. Every time I showed it in the replay, I, I cringed. And how about the Eels, mate, last night? What did you think of that? <laughs> wow. A lot of arm grabbing. A lot of... Yeah, look, I, I said to you guys before that against the Tigers, the, the Eels got absolutely bombarded by the media for when they tried to get back onside and the, the Tigers took a quick tap and they had their backs towards the attack. Well, they kept doing it against the Roosters and, and well, the whole time. There's just there was yeah. no attitude. There was, it was terrible. Yeah. Before we get into our tips, mate, we, we've got a couple of emails at, uh, at the fifth and last podcast at hotmail.com from Warriors fans who are asking if you can tip against the Warriors every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <I> <laughs> so keep that, that in mind. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind when making your tips this week, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dutch. Yeah, I was going to say, be a bit kind to our followers across the Dutch. We'll jump into the tips. Obviously, Thursday night's gone, which, uh, to be honest, I'm pretty happy about. I did enjoy the five days, but it was a bit too spread out. I prefer sitting there watching three on a Saturday or a Sunday. But Friday night kicks off with the Bulldogs playing Manly at ANZ. Uh, I'm a bit torn on this one. I know Manly were pretty dominant last week after a slow start, but I just keep looking at the dogs and I can't go past them. I'm going to have to go up the dogs this week, but I'm not too confident about that one. Yeah, they were my uh, bet of the week this week. I, uh, I'm i keen on the dogs. I think they, they have to win now. It's getting to, um, not desperate stakes, but they, they need to start accumulating some points and I think they'll do so on Friday night over Manly. Yeah, well, one from four is not looking good for the Bulldogs when a lot of people had them for the, for the favourites to win the comp, so they're well, I'm not desperate, but they've got to win this week if mm. other sides are going to fear them. So I'll tip the dogs because they will be desperate. Yep. And moving on to the second Friday night game, surprise, surprise, Queensland, 9.30. Broncos get another Friday night so they can go out on the weekend. Uh, they're playing <laughs> the Titans at Skilled Stadium. Uh, this one for me, I'm going the Titans just purely on form. Uh, they showed on the weekend they could win even when they didn't have all the opportunities. That's what you need to do to be in the eight. And uh, the Broncos did give Melbourne some trouble down that right edge, but... That's one week. They've been pretty poor otherwise. So uh, as I usually do, it's, it's going to take a week, a couple of weeks for the Broncos to convince me that they're back on board. So I'm going the Titans. Again, I've copped a couple of abusive emails this week saying you, you're, not a, you're not a true Titan supporter because you tipped against them last week. So uh, I guess I better tip them this week. Um, I didn't think they play that well against Penrith and the short turnarounds are concerned, but I'm similar to, to Lewis. I just... I think I have to tip them based on uh, based on form, and, and Brisbane have been pretty ordinary. I think they'll also have a uh, a point to prove with Scotty Prince returning to town, so um, that'll be a bit of a motivation for them this Friday. I'm super impressed with Greg Bird this year. It's fantastic, especially as a Blues fan sitting there. Um, he's, he's played fantastic for Titans. Um, I've got the Titans. I think I think they'll get up. And Saturday night we kick off with the Eels going back to Para, which I'm sure will have about a twentieth of what the Wanderers have had there in recent times. <laughs> To play the Cronulla oh, Sharks. The Wanderers. The Wanderers. Yeah, well, the only, the only thing I'll be wondering this week will be the Eagles fans. They'll be anywhere but Parramatta Stadium, but they're going to play the Sharkies, who I'm sure are going to have plenty of spite 
and uh, Todd Carney may not be there, but I think Chad Townsend is more than a capable replacement. I'm back in the Sharkies again. I think this one will be a bloodbath, even though I did say that last week and it didn't happen. <laughs> well, this is a classic uh, bounce-back factor game. Who's going to bounce back harder? They both uh, had wins, uh, sorry, had losses last week, which, um, you know, wouldn't have gone down well with their supporter bases or the coaching staff. I've tipped the Sharks only because Ricky Stewart just told me that things aren't going to get any better. So I'll, I'll take your word for that, Rick, and I'll, I'll tip the Sharks this week. Yeah, I was really disappointed with the Sharks. I completely unmuscled by the Dragons forwards, but then again, the Dragons have a massive pack. The Eels do not have a massive pack, so I think the Sharks will go. North Queensland versus Penrith up at uh, Dairy Farmers is the second game. Oh, God, I just want to smash my head in the wall thinking about this one. North Queensland, I've bet on you at $4 to make the top four. I've had a bit of a, a bit of a token on it. You're absolutely killing me. It's money I could have put in my mortgage, so it's time to wake up, all right? Get it together. I'm, I'm going to tip them, but I did say that uh, one of my bets of the week would be the Panthers at $4 because uh, I just think a dollar twenty-five for North Queensland, the way they're playing, is absolutely ridiculous. But I'm tipping North Queensland, but I think the Panthers, the way they've been going, and Seguiara rolling back into town, I think he can cause them a bit of trouble if they're playing sleepishly like they have been. Yeah, I'm going to back the Cowboys just based on... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Based on the fact that pre-season, you would have said that you know if they played each other round one, Cowboys would have been huge favourites. I totally agree with what Lewis said. The Panthers have the most line breaks in the NRL. They look to uh, have their attack sorted out, but there's still a lot of errors in their attack, which is gifting the other team ball. Um, I think that was a case against the Titans. It wasn't that um, you know Penrith couldn't put dints in the Titans. They just couldn't put the uh, put the points on the board, yeah. So I think if the Panthers click this week, and obviously Luke Walsh going out, Austin coming in, that's probably a positive for them. Luke Walsh looked like he'd, he'd lost his confidence. So I'll tip the uh, I'll tip the Cowboys with, um, you know, no confidence. Yeah, I wish the Cowboys would grow up a little bit. I mean, I'm sick of saying it every year that, oh, they never went away from home, and you know, now they've got experience, they should put that behind them like a sort of a Melbourne Storm side that can win anywhere, but they, they still struggle away from home. Um, I know they're at home this week. I think they should get the Panthers, um, especially we, we, I think Humble's going well for the Panthers. It's interesting to see Blake Austin in the halves. I think he's better suited to sort of a centre or, or a back row, but, you know, like you said, Walsh is... He's out of form, uh, but yeah, I think the Cowboys will just get him. Yeah, well, I've always said it, played with him at school, and I always thought he was more of a 13 or a bit of an edge player, but I'll give you one thing. Compared to Walsh, he's going to be willing to play through the line, and with the way they've been going, and especially their forwards punching through, Blake Austin's going to straighten them up a lot more, so I can definitely see the positives there, that's for sure. Well, yeah, I watched him on the New South Wales Cup that was before the Warriors game yesterday, and I thought he was pretty tidy. His, his kicking game's improved. Um, he'll just, I think he'll just push them around the field. He'll dig into the line more um, than what Walsh has been. He runs a lot more than Walsh, let's put it that way. And I mean, as you say, mate, Humble's been real tidy, so I think it's going to be a positive move for the Panthers. Yeah, he's got a power too, Blake. I saw him a couple of times. He's down to earth, fella, so yeah, I hope to see him get one. Yeah, we move on to Sunday, the triple header. My favourite, sitting around the couch watching three games and drinking (laughs) beers, good times. But uh, the Warriors, they're home again against the Rabbitohs. I really hope they can dish up a good performance like last week with some spirit. It was great to see them back on board, and especially Sean Johnson. I think it's finally clicked to him that Maloney's not there anymore and he needs to lead the side, and it was outstanding watching him bounce around the weekend. 
I'm going to take the Rabbitohs, but I do think the Warriors are going to give a lot more competition now and gain some confidence, especially being at home and having a win now. Yeah, I'll go. Sean Johnson, yeah, he played he played well on the weekend, got a couple of repeat sets, but he's a real confident sort of halfback. Every time he does sort of something incorrect, his head drops. I think he's got to have a little bit more self-belief. If he plays well, it'll go a long way to beating the Rabbits. I think it'll be a real close one. Right, I was just yeah, sorry, I've had a power nap then. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> um, mate, I've tipped the Rabbitohs. Uh, just, I don't know, again, they're uh, in form. The Warriors, they're going to have to win this one to prove to me that they're uh, back into any sort of form. So, uh, yeah, I'll tip the Rabbits. Dragons Newcastle at Cogra is the second game on Sunday. Uh, same kind of deal. I hope the Dragons are competitive. There's nothing better than watching eight games and seeing all the teams have a dig, but I am going to back Newcastle. They've uh, got a bit of depth. It doesn't seem to have mattered what's happened so far. I know they got one shellacking, but they've, they've had changes almost every week, and they've got the job done three out of four, so that's good enough for me. I'm going to back Newcastle. Yeah, in short, the Knights, they're playing well. It's away from home, so they need to prove that they can win uh, outside of uh, their fortress that they've built up there at Newcastle, but... Um, the Dragons, again, similar to the Warriors, are going to have to win again this week to convince me that they're back into any sort of form. Yeah, it's my better the round. I think the Dragons will win, and win comfortably. Mm. Um, I just liked what they did last week. Thaled, uh, again, he's one of those younger generation players that plays well off confidence. He played well last week. You know, the, um, the Dragons, I think it's their first game at um, Congress for the year as well. A yeah. Big crowd there, and especially off a win. Now, I think the Dragons, 13 plus fellas. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's your bold prediction for the week. I like it. Yeah, that's good. Hang him out there, big boy. Hang him out. <laughs> <laughs> feel good? Yeah. Feel good. <laughs> yeah, well, the Raiders go back to the mighty cold Bruce Stadium against the Roosters and uh, don't have too much more to say about this one. There's been no changes to the Ford pack. Everything still looks the same. Uh, Anthony Milford has been named the 18th man, so... Wait to see if he gets a run, but uh, in short, Roosters, 50-0, three wins. I don't care who they've played. They were almost perfect last week, so uh, I think they're going to go back down here. I'm not saying they're going to do a 50-0 job, but I think they'll get the job done pretty easily. Yeah, well, if the bus doesn't turn up, then uh, the Raiders are a chance. Otherwise, the Roosters will pound the Raiders. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep the Raiders to zero. That'll be three weeks in a row. The side's been kept scores by the Roosters, which I can't remember the last time that ever happening, so... Yeah. Yeah, on the back of their defence, defence wins games, the Roosters will win this one. And Monday night, we've got the mighty Melbourne Storm at Amy Park. My God, no betting value there against the Tigers. Finally a decent turnaround, so uh, purely on the back of that, I think the eight-day turnaround, Melbourne, don't need to say any more. Yeah, I think the Melbourne are, well, Melbourne are coming to the end of their, uh, their run. I, th- I think they are getting fatigued a little, but the long turnaround for them is going to be excellent. Uh, the Tigers, their attack—it's probably almost as bad as you know the, these lower teams in the competition. So until they can get that sorted, I don't see them challenging the Storm here. Storm will have too many points in them. Yeah, someone told me this afternoon that they're going to play a Nastra at half, which I think is a big mistake. I think mm. The last season a Nastra had that was was any good was 2010. He was playing in the back row. Yeah. Um, yeah wow, a Nastra playing at half. Yeah, that was out of here at Penrith. That was classic. Oh, that was hilarious. That was so <laughs> funny watching the ball go up. 
yeah. and feel like there's running around circles. It was hilarious, but yeah, I'm not sure what they're thinking there about putting an extra half. I really don't. But anyway, I think the storm got plenty. Well, I can give you a doozy on that one. I was just 18, and I got home from a, a few too many drinks in the cross, and I looked at the TV, and I, I really thought I was that drunk when Anasta was playing fullback, but it turned out he was. <laughs> he was hallucinating. So, I, I don't know if Freddie went one on his random door knock and raids that night, but I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, had to, he had to try something. <laughs> yeah, well, there wasn't too much happening that year, but uh, that wraps up our tips. I, I don't know how you two went last week, but I got six, so... Starting to get a little more consistency. Well, I'm going to add them up. I'll add them up for us next week, and I'll uh, I'll update everyone on, on where we're at with our tips. Oh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm not sure how I went last week. I, I ended up my wallet was empty, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's mine, too, so that's not usually a good sign. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been drinking drinking steins and eating chicken, so I've been living good. When you're uh, when you're scratching to, to find a winner on a Monday afternoon at Port Kembla Race 8, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, he's got plenty of spare cash, the bastard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's another week, so big thanks, Mr. Gossip, and we'll catch up with you next week. No worries, lads. Catch you next week. All right, no worries, mate. As always, a big thank you to Mr. Gossip for his news and feedback and for his tips. If you want to catch up with him, jump onto Facebook, head up to the search bar, and type in NRL Gossip, and also on Twitter. Go there, hit him up at, at NRL Gossip. Great page on both, especially the Facebook, 33,000 likes. Very good stuff. So now we move on to the wrap-up. That wraps up another episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Big thanks to everyone who's been downloading on Podomatic and iTunes and also everyone who's been getting on the Twitter page and on the Facebook with the comments in the inboxes. It's all much appreciated. This podcast, as normal, out Wednesday, Podomatic and iTunes. Share it with your friends, download it, have a listen, and keep hitting us on the Facebook and the Twitter. While we're on that, obviously the Facebook page, you all know, go up to the search bar, fifth and last podcast. On Twitter, it's fifth and last. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.